So it's Monday, and that means one thing and one thing only. It's the day after Sunday. No, it also means that we get to talk about ghosts with you wonderful people. And I say talk to you, you know, you can't really interact back. You can if you want. You're going to look a bit weird doing it wherever you are, I imagine. But by all means do, for what is life if not to be weird and have a bit of a laugh? Anyway, what's new in my world? Well, Becca has gone away. She's gone to foreign climes to work. She's coming back in a couple of weeks. But it does mean that currently I'm living feral. And I don't mean feral as in like I'm in a bush and I'm trying to like knock two sticks together to make um, fire. But I mean like, you know, cereal for breakfast, dinner and tea and things like that. You know, loads of cheesy crumpets, Domino's pizza, things like that. Nice things, really. So I shouldn't really moan. Though my heart should moan because it's going to collapse any minute given that it's living on basically caffeine and melted cheese, which together is a beautiful combination, but probably not something that you want to eat every day of your life. Anyway, I digress. What have we got in store for you today? Well, we have a plethora of paranormal tales. We actually have quite a lengthy one because yesterday I um, had the pleasure of doing a video chat with Chris Whitehouse from White House Paranormal Investigations. I'm probably not giving that the proper title. Apologies, Chris. But we discussed all things, the full gamut of the paranormal. If you go over to the Instagram of either this or the Dark Paranormal page, you can click on a link, which will take you to the show that we just done. And Chris has sent in a written account of one of his paranormal investigations. So we're going to read that out today. We are also going to do, of course, a paranormal review. Now, because there is no Becca physically in the country, literally... We can't do a Becca's Reddit corner, so instead we're going to insert only a tiny snippet from one of our recent Patreon episodes, just so you still get to hear her voice, which is basically what I'm doing with the cat. The cat, by the way, is absolutely in mourning. She thinks Becca's dead. She does. So I've put the cat's bed next to where I sleep, and Becca's pyjamas are on top of her pillow. And what she's doing is she's sniffing Becca's pyjamas and kneading her bed in the way she would on Becca's chest where she lay. And honest to God, it's heartbreaking. I'm getting emotional now thinking about it. But um, yeah, other than that, she's still been a little bit of a bellend and uh, biting and scratching me. The cat, not Becca. Anyway, before we get into the show proper, we need to thank our wonderful Patreons, which keep the show alive. When you sign up to Patreon, not only do you support this show, you also get two extra shows each and every week. You get a 30-minute ramble from me, where I try and make it funny, but generally just talk about what's on my mind. This week, we had the pleasure of me doing a Christopher Walken impression, repeatedly. Um which may have annoyed some, I found it hysterical. And that's, you know, if I'm entertaining me, then I'm winning. And um, we also do a paranormal Patreon on a Sunday, which featured this week, genuinely, some of the most terrifying tales I've ever heard. Not just saying that, it genuinely did. It was basically um, new snippets from the last 100 years. So stories that have made the papers. And some of them are like, they're only pa a paragraph long, but some of them are just like, what? What? Like, you could make full feature-length films out of these paragraphs. Amazing stuff. And it, I, mean, I mean the stories where. I'm not saying the Patreon is. I mean, it is, but, you know. Anyway, if you want to sign up, go to patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts. And when you do so, not only do you get all that, but I also sing your name as a bit of a thank you, which I'm about to do now. The guitar is well and truly out, and we have three wonderful Patreons to say thank you to today. But we have two new Patreons, and one Patreon that I forgot to say thank you to last week. How dare I? We have Koai Zombie, 
great name. Bethany Sayer, that's the person I need to apologise to. Sorry, Beth. And Emma. So this song is for you. Kawhi Zombie, Bethany Sayer, not to forget Emma. You signed up to the Patreon and you're making the show get better. Kawhi Zombie, Bethany Sayer, not to forget Emma. You're helping the show light stay on And I'd like to say thank you So thank you from the bottom Of my caffeine-soaked heart Thank you from the bottom Of my mellow cheese Gonna stop real soon, heart Ended it on a seventh, of course, but my... God, my falsettos are getting awful. Maybe it's old age, who knows? Anyway, if you'd like to join Patreon, head over to patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts. I tried to say that like David Bowie, but it didn't really work. Anyway, shall we have a paranormal review? Yes, we shall. Okay, so it's time to review something paranormal so that you don't have to review it yourself and tell yourself whether you should watch it yourself or not, if that makes any sense. Anyway, what are we going to review today? Well, we're going to review a film, and that film is called Nope. And it might be, people might be like, that's been out for ages. Well, I've only just seen it, okay? So calm the F down. Anyway, yeah, it's called Nope. It's the Jordan Peele film, so he don't get out, which is amazing. Now, it's dead hard to give a review on this without giving spoilers. You know what I'm like, I can give spoilers at the best of times. And unintentionally give spoilers as well, so I'm hopefully not going to give anything away. But I will say it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. I assumed, especially given what he does, this isn't a spoiler, but what he does do within the film is he sort of segments it. You know, like the way Pulp Fiction um, has, like, a, a title that'll pop up that'll say, like, the dog and the girl, and then there'll be a scene that'll play on for, like, 20 minutes, and then it'll be, like, the cat and the monkey, and it'll be a scene, and but it all shows together in the end. I thought he was going to do that, because he does do this thing with, like, the things popping up, but there's no real need for that, if you know what I mean. It'd be like if that happened... Imagine Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and it it just pop up a random title in the middle that went, Augustus Gloop. And, you know, there's no call for it. What it does do, which is good, and this isn't like saying there's a twist, because I wouldn't do that to you. There's no twist. But it does lead you on a bit of a misdirection throughout the film. So you think it's one thing, and, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it is. But you know what was the biggest takeaway for me, really? Genuinely. And who the hell am I to say this? But I thought the special effects were dire. Like, absolutely dire. As in... You know Karate Kid, where he's dressed... um, The scene in Karate Kid, where it's the fancy dress ball and Daniel LaRusso goes dressed, for some reason, as a shower. Um, (laughs) Can I just point out how funny that is? Daniel LaRusso went dressed as a shower, and uh, that was all right. Anyway, you know when he goes dressed as a shower? Uh, That's kind of a better effect than the effects that we see in this film, I think, personally. So Daniel LaRusso makes a more convincing shower. It's more believable to see Daniel LaRusso dressed as a shower. You'd think there's a shower running through this party than you would when you see the eventual thing in this thing. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, and who the hell am I? I know, who am I to say that? You know, and there will be people who disagree and say, what are you on about? The effects were amazing. But for me, it was Daniel LaRusso in a shower. That's all it was. I expected a load of karate experts dressed as skeletons to be chasing the main protagonist of the film at the end. That's how bad the effects were. But story-wise, again, I couldn't, you know, out of ten, maybe a six and a half. I don't, I don't want to just poo on someone's entire work because I hate doing that with anyone and anything, but I think he's a millionaire, so I think we're all right. But also, you know, it just... It's a, I've seen a lot of mixed reviews. I've seen people say, I thought it was amazing, and I've seen other people say, it's dire. I think it's neither. I think there are some really good bits in it, some really well-acted bits, definitely. Um, Story-wise, leaves a little to be desired. You know, it's like, there's loads of bits where you'll go, that's boss, what does that mean? And there's loads of bits where you'll be like, all right, carry on, sort of thing. So anyway, overall review for Nope would be, and I know it would be cool to say, or I say cool in inverted, you know, in Buddy Rabbit ears speech marks, to say, nope, don't watch it. But I'm not going to do that. Watch it, because it is worth a watch, so you can form your own opinion on it. Um, It's one thumb up, one thumb down for me, though. And um, if in like two years' time someone said, oh, should we watch Nope? I would say, uh, I'm all right. Thank you. Anyway, there you go. That's the review for this week. Okay, so it's that time of the week where we get to read out your true paranormal experiences. Now, because we'll have a little bit of a break in time, because we have no Reddit corner, but we will have a little segment of Becca at the end, as I said earlier. Um, I'm going to read out Chris's email. Now, Chris is the gentleman from White House Investigations, a paranormal research team, who I spoke to yesterday, and he's took the time to write out a very long and detailed account of one of their investigations. It is quite lengthy, so make yourself a brew, settle in, And this is Chris's email. A private house investigation somewhere in Riddlesden, June 2013. Cy had invited me on a pre-investigation to see a lady who contacted him with some claims which came under possible poltergeist activity. I'd heard some of the claims and in my own cynical and rational way, I'd half made up my mind on what may lay ahead. What I write here is just my opinion of the events. I have to tell you that because even after having visited the location, I can't quite pin down what was genuine activity and what was attributed to the spirit. It certainly turned out that I was wrong on some level, but where the line gets drawn is open to your own judgment. So I'll write it down as I saw it at the time. So having arrived at the location, the two of us enter with only a couple of metres to do an initial sweep for natural electromagnetic disturbances which can cause emotional fluctuations, which can cause some extreme things such as hallucinations. We met Rita, not her real name, who lives alone. Sai asks Rita to show us why she invited us in. Rita explains that she's seen multiple damage done to her home and her belongings over the past few weeks. The first piece of evidence we're shown is damage to her wardrobe, where she keeps her coats and shoes just inside the front door. Where the front door holds the hinges, there is obvious damage in the woodwork for sure. I see that it hangs at about the same height as a coat, with large buttons which I suggest may have become trapped in the door upon closing, or some similar item has. I say this because at a previous home I'd done the same. Rita frowned at this notion. 
There was a radiator which ran down the hallway's wall and behind it a long crack or scratch had been painted over. Again, I suggested that the heating and cooling of the radiator may have attributed to such a crack in the wooden skirting. We were then led into the kitchen to where Rita had one day noticed a face in some wooden framework running upwards towards the kitchen window. Rita had already paid to have a decorator in to paint over the new additions. So when I leaned in close to where the face had been noticed, all I saw was a painted knot in the wood. My excitement for the case was slowly evaporating. I stayed wordless at this stage, but I felt that what we were seeing here was a large dose of matrixing by a lady who lives alone. This was my snap judgement so far, but I had heard that half a brick had gone missing from a fireplace stonework one day. This was something surely more tangible as weird. We were shown a fire with red bricks around, and the bricks had imperfections all over them as one would expect. Rita showed me the face in the red brick. Can you see it? Rita asked. Well, yes, I can see it, Rita. But have you ever heard of matrixing? A form of pareidolia. Rita had taken a supernatural course in her 30s and had always expressed much interest in all things paranormal. Rita grasped my meaning straight away. She was quite affronted by my near suggestion that she was just seeing something paranormal where there were only normal markings. You've only been here ten minutes. I've lived here all my life. Oops, I'd offended her. Sai stepped up and made peace with her whilst I tried to keep my mouth shut. I accepted that she was right. What if the markings had not been there weeks before? Not just one marking, but several. Rita then showed us a wooden table which had scratches on it and even said she could see a donkey shape in it. Sure, I could see that too, but in all honesty I couldn't mark it up as paranormal. But Rita wasn't done yet. We were led upstairs to her bathroom, where she said scratches had appeared on her taps. I looked closely as Rita said, You can see where the silver's been scratched off. I recognised limescale build-up immediately, and ran my finger on the build-up of the lime deposit. This is just a build-up of limescale from the water, Rita. Feel it. Rita seemed to be flustered when she saw that I was right. She obviously thought that we were going to be seeing her as daft. But I still had to take her at her word, because I hadn't proved that no spirit resided there. This had been her parents' house before hers, and so I imagined that there would be some residual energy around somewhere in the past. But was it active? Rita's bedroom wardrobes had magnetic shutters, which seemed all worn out together. Rita saw this as another piece of ghostly evidence. With this upstairs, and even the drawer top beneath the cutlery drawer worn away, plus a worn semicircle of wood colour around the cutlery drawer handle, to Rita, the house was full of damage. To me, I saw that the cutlery drawer, for example, was the most opened and closed of all the drawers, over the two or more lifetimes of service and pretty unremarkable. But then after speaking longer about her opinion on the matter, she started to say things that made sense. Rita had a large garden which could be seen out of her bedroom window. All the evidence that Rita had listed happened after she sold some of the land to what was now a house-building project. Rita expressed an inner conflict about the deal, but since she had no children to pass the land down to, and since the work of upkeep was beyond her energy, selling it seemed to be the logical choice. 
So there was land being disrupted and a sense of change at play. This had Sai and I reserving our judgment a little longer, although Sai was far more open-minded about the case than I to his credit. We asked if she'd heard any noises at all, and she said that she had heard banging from above. In the attic, she thought. This started to make sense to us too. Spirits have a tendency to inhabit the areas least visited by the living. Attics and cellars can become places of laying of peace for them to stay away from us, and not because they find them comfy at all. So we tailored our questions more wisely now. We asked about items seemingly going missing strangely, otherwise known as apportation. Yes, said Rita. Some documents pertaining to the land had seemingly vanished. So now I too withheld my judgment. No smoke without fire, right? I thought to myself. The client knows best about what's been happening, and it seems that for this case to be genuine, then there was a sufficient series of possibilities at play to be onto something. Rita said that it was her feeling that the selling of the land had started something up. The fact there were reports of missing items in an extremely ordered home made the likelihood of ever misplacing a thing microscopic. Bangs in uninhabited areas also fit the bill for Sai and I. With Rita being so adamant that we were needed to return with the team, we spoke about how we should approach our return. I explained that some of what she said pointed to a possibility of there being a spirit interacting with her. I also said that it was probable we could get contact on the Ouija board, but could not guarantee that it was the cause of the damage, etc. Rita wanted to have a new kitchen fitted, at a great cost, but until the damage ceased, it seemed pointless. Finally, Rita told us that she'd actually phoned a holy man to come bless the house. This man, Rita said, barely seemed to not only believe in her spirit story, but didn't believe in spirits at all. Rita had this same guy visit 20 times to the tune of £200 in donations from Rita. Sai and I felt very strongly that she shouldn't part with a penny to anyone for anyone to take an interest in her story. We left feeling a little annoyed at her seemingly being ripped off by this holy man and discussed our views on what we were up against, if anything. On the 13th of June, we began our first proper investigation. I entered this investigation with a clean slate and ready to listen to what any spirit had to say about the claims. Kevin, Jill, Sai and myself arrived three days later with our general medium kit and started about setting up in a downstairs room with Rita. For the benefit of Kevin and Jill, some of the damage was viewed by them and Rita explained why we'd been called. So, on a bright June evening, we were gathered around a table for the umpteenth time to talk to the dead. But first, something of note. Sai and I had never encountered a house so low in its electronic readings. Our pre-investigation sweep with our meters had been one milligauss over the whole house, apart from near obvious equipment such as TV or fridges, etc. Rita's house was one of the few places we'd visited which still had no Wi-Fi. So electrically, this place was clean. However, after protection was finished, one of our torches lit up and the gauss meter flickered. The slow flicker was heard as a repeated clicking, but it wasn't the same rhythm. It was varying, so not recognisable as a natural occurrence. Sai asked for the clicking to be made faster. I saw the reading rise to two milligauss, and we all heard the clicking increase in tempo, before dropping again. 
Sai asked for a glass to move for nearly 10 minutes, but it wasn't until we asked for Jill to ask out, in brackets, some spirits will only play ball if a certain gender is running things, that we had movement. The gauss clicking rose as the glass moved slowly. Jill asked for a group of energies to work together if there was more than one spirit. The glass moved to yes, with more power this time. Jill led the glass into the building up of its energies by having it repeatedly draw a circle on the board. The glass slides over the number five. We did ask for teamwork, so maybe there are five spirits using the glass. Not so. The glass then moves to four. Then five. Then four. Then five. Then four. The glass then circles 54 over and over. Jill asks, 54? We're not sure what that means. The gauss clicks more rhythmically. Jill asks, how many spirits are with us? Three. How many are male? Three. As the glass gets ever more controlled, we ask for just one spirit to speak using the glass. Jill asks, Please can you tell us your name? No. Don't you trust us yet? No. While we push for the spirit to name itself, the gauss rises and falls in readings. Are you always at this property? Yes. Have you caused damage to the house? Yes. Is that just because you're angry? Yes. Is your anger related to this property? H-U-T Chris says to Rita Was there a hut taken down on the land? Rita replied yes Jill asks Was that hut yours? Yes Sai asks Rita Does that make sense to you? Rita nodded Jill asks Does it upset you that the hut's been demolished? Yes Along with a large spike in energy on the gauss meter and you're damaging Rita's property because Rita damaged your hut? Yes. The glass moved from five to four, five to four, five to four again, and Sai actually gets a static electric shock from the glass. Jill says, using the letters, can you say why 54 is relevant? B-U-I-L-T. Built. Sai tries to ask a question, but the spirit doesn't answer. Sai asks, Sir, am I not allowed to talk to you? No. Whilst Jill pushes for a name, Rita tells us that in 1954, she would have only been six. But she did live here and she remembers there being two sheds outside as long as she can remember, until they were pulled down in much later years. We learn that this spirit built the first of the two huts. Jill asked, What colour was the hut? Green, it spelt out. Rita says, yes, that's right. Then the glass roams around 54 again. Our talk turns to animals for a while, as it turns out that Rita's dad bought next door's garden at some point when one of the huts was used for keeping chickens in. We suspect we have a spirit neighbour from next door. We steer the questions around our suspicions. Jill asks, did you live at this house? No. Sai asks, did you pass in 1954? Yes. The gauss climbs when I suggest that this spirit lost control of his hut in 1954 because he passed away. Sai asks, was the hut your sanctuary? Yes. Are you blaming Rita for the demolition of that hut? Yes. Jill asks, do you feel lost now? Yes. Have you anywhere to go now? Yes. You do, don't you? 
You still have options, my friend. Did you come to the house when the hut went? Yes. If you really like the hut, why did you sell your garden to Rita's dad? O-L-D. Chris says, Ah, you were too old to look after it then. Yes. The spirit says that he sold the hut in 1952, two years prior to his passing. Jill asks, In 1952, how old are you? 69. Rita says, I was too old to look after the garden, which is why I sold it. I didn't relinquish it lightly. The gauss climbs and climbs again. Jill says, Do you understand Rita's reasoning? The spirit says he still remains angry at Rita. Rita says, The gentleman who bought the land from me got rid of the hut. I merely sold the land. Do you understand? Yes. Sai asks, Are you upset at what the land is to be used for? Yes. What should it be used for? Garden. Jill says, Just as you sold your land, in some ways Rita's just done the same thing. Rita continued, Is that solely why you're angry with me? Yes. The glass circles the word yes, which we understand to be the same as underlining the answer. So Rita says, So what was I supposed to do when I couldn't look after the garden anymore? It spells out, garden. Did you know my father? Can you spell his name? No answer. Sai tells the spirit our names as this has given us results in the past. Sai notes that the glass almost went to sea. Jill explains that we need proof that the spirit is who it claims it could be. Giving us Rita's dad's name would be great as we don't know it. We ask for Rita to take her finger off the glass at this important stage. The glass doesn't respond. Sai asks, Did you go anywhere else but here? Yes. Did you stay in the hut? Yes. The gauss increases. Are you now lost? No. The glass then moves to spell out the name Charles. Jill asks, Is Charles your name? Yes. Seemingly, confidence has been gained. Rita then asked, Did you know me as a little girl? Yes. Jill asks, So please tell me the name of Rita's father. Rita asks, Can we have our surname? No. When I was a little girl, did you and your wife look after me at all? Yes. The glass moves to four and to five. Rita wasn't born in 1945, so we think Charles means she was four or five years old when they looked after her. The glass agrees. Baking, the glass spells. Jill asks, how long did you live next door? Charles says they moved in during 1943. Rita remembers an elderly couple living next door, but she can't remember much detail about them. Sai asks, is it you who's been doing the damage? Yes. Is it out of frustration? Yes. Do you mean Rita any harm? No. You're upsetting Rita, though, do you know that? Would you like to cause pain and upset to that little girl you looked after? Because that's who Rita is. A strong no. So we need to reach a compromise. Are you happy, Charles? No. Do you feel homeless? Yes. Have you resided in your hut ever since you passed? Yes. Can you promise us that you won't do any further damage if we come to some sort of arrangement? Yes. Rita then asks, Did you damage my red shoes? Yes. And have you damaged my other shoes as well? Yes. Chris continues in brackets. 
Whilst I have to take on board what we've had spelt out to us on the board, we've also seen answers given to us that we now know were essentially answered falsely just to wind us up. I would have preferred that the spirits had been asked to tell us what items were damaged. Rita was unknowingly giving away the answer first. I think at a Ouija board, if you asked, are you going to kill us all and string us up by our feet? The spirit would find it easy to answer yes, because we'd set up the question and ultimately ourselves. My advice is to A, let the spirit do the work, and B, never ask such a question as I've just used as an example in the first place. We continue. Sai asks, So are you stuck here? No. Have you moved on? Yes. So the spirit chooses to return in visitation and isn't in need of help as such. Chris asks, Is it worth Rita getting a few flowers in a pot or otherwise planting them near where your hut was as a kind of memorial? Charles seems to like this idea. Sai asks, Is there any particular type of plant which you like? It spells out geranium. Sai says, Okay, so this is the compromise. You promise that there will be no hassle from you and no damage on account of Rita putting some geraniums in her garden to commemorate your memory. Yes. Rita says, Would that make you happy? Yes. Sai asks, Yes, so just refer to it as Charles's pot or something. Yes. We all thank Charles for reaching this agreement. Sai says, Now, Charles, you said that there were three male spirits in this house. Did they do any damage? No. Rita says, Are they my family? Yes. Two males. The glass spells out the word, watching. Chris says, Family members are watching over Rita... Yes. Chris says, are you allowed to tell us who? Now the glass goes dead. We've seen this before. Charles has gone to ask the spirits if they want naming. There are rules at play on the other side, and most abide by them, but not all. Much like respect on this living realm. Father is spelt out on the board. Jill asks if we're allowed to know who the other person is. And the board replies, no. Do you feel happier now, Charles? Yes. Rita says, I want you to be happy, Charles. I wish you no ill will. Sai says, so it was all just a misunderstanding. Rita asks, did you damage the fireplace? Yes. Jill says, so there's going to be no more damage? Yes. Wait, why did he just say there is going to be more damage? Are you going to damage anything else? No. We are at the end of our session and we relax. Suddenly, the glass isn't done. The glass moves a very graceful speed, spelling out, sorry. It was a very touching moment, actually. We wrap up and close down. But, as the glass said, there was to be more damage. And a few days later... Rita rang again in a bit of a state, which leads to a second investigation, which we will continue next week. Yes, so there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Charles apparently was tormenting Rita, but after speaking with Chris yesterday about people on the Ouija board and they can pretend to be whatever they want, 
Is it even anyone called Charles? Maybe we will find out next week. I don't know why I'm making a wolf noise. Anyway, thank you, Chris. We can't wait to conclude that story next week. Now, whilst Becca is away, her corner remains barren and dark, and therefore we have no Becca's Reddit corner this week, but I am going to play just a very short snippet of a recent Patreon episode so we get a little bit of Kev and Becca talking to each other about the paranormal. Because that would be nice, wouldn't it, to end with? I think it would. So it's not a Becca's Reddit corner, it's just Kevin Beck talking about the paranormal for a very few short minutes. Okay, so I'll say tatty bye to you all now, and I'll see you next week for the conclusion of Chris's story. Hopefully we'll record some Becca time from where she is in the distant world. And yeah, in the meantime, enjoy your week, and I'll see you all later. Tatty bye. Yeah, then it's the ripe. We are ripe for the picking in terms of telling ghost stories to each other. But, um, obviously, last time we had an update, didn't we? You added to the canon because you've seen a shadow figure walk past. I didn't see a shadow figure walk. See, this is why you're an unreliable narrator. It wasn't a shadow figure, was it? Well, yeah. No, it wasn't. There was a shadow. shadow. It could have been me. It wasn't you. We've established this. No, in fact, no, I thought about this because you said it couldn't have been me. But it could, because if I'm in a room, which I was... I, there's a light also in the bathroom, so it could have been me. Because okay. a shadow can come from more than one okay. place. But you're also not a, a, a troll, are you? I didn't say it was troll shaped. No, but you're not an idiot, are you? <laughs> but you're not, are you? So that's my point. Is that you? 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 you how, long, how old are you now? About twenty. <laughs> yeah, in your brain. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You're like early thirties, mm-hmm. and you're a clever girl. Gee whiz, thanks. No, but it's my not patronising at all. No, but my point is, is it's unlikely going to be fooled by your own shadow. No, I, well, no, I could have seen my shadow and thought it might be your shadow. I, we're not getting into this again. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, anything else happen? No. No? You, Are you sure? Yeah, you. Um, yeah, but it was the cat. So, no. Uh, no, but I've, I've been finding it really hard to sleep and I have been a little bit freaked out going to bed lately. Um, if you hear like a scraping noise, it's because I've got a hot drink. Yeah, no one wants to hear that noise. Oh, no. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I've been a bit freaked out going to bed right lately. Uh, like, I've been snuggling up to you, not necessarily for warmth, but for safety. <laughs> right. Um, I've had quite... Take a, care instead. Yeah, quite a few nightmares too. And yeah. so, Well, no, no, I didn't <laughs> take care too. I mean, so. so what we look at today. I'm obviously a Catholic. Hello. Something obvious about that. Well, it's quite obvious. The name Eustace, and I messed up now. No idea why that's obvious. Um, but people who listen to the show know I'm a Catholic, okay. albeit an exceptionally lapsed one. Hmm. And you're obviously heathen, aren't you? Yeah. Self-admitted. I mean, heathen. If you're a Catholic, you call me a heathen, but I'm not actually a Catholic. I'm just non- non-denominational. Yeah, and I'm joking too because I'm actually not that religious. I you're just, not at all religious. Um, how do you? How very do you, Becca? Communion and confirmed, thank you. Is communion even the right word? Nope, nope, it is not. And I also have very little say in the matter when I was seven <laughs> when it took place. Anyway, um, but I've got two stories here from a website called catholiccompany.com, right. Catholic Ghost Stories. Okay. Now, if you remember, I've got a book full of Catholic ghost stories, and I think they're exceptionally good. Aren't ghost stories incompatible with Catholicism? Mm-hmm. Well, yes and no. Because priests often say, like when I was an altar boy, the priest would tell us ghost stories. 
right. and would say like, oh, Chet, I used to work and was definitely haunted. Um, but I thought... No, because you think about canon, it, the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but apart from the Holy Ghost, I thought, thought in canon, like, you can't really have a ghost. Yeah, you, can't, you can have a ghost. There's ghosts in the Bible, but you can't, like, worship them. You can't do what I do, basically, <laughs> and be all about What? Them. There's ghosts in the Bible? Yeah. What ghost is in the Bible? I mean, top of my head, I'm sure there's the ghost of Job or something like this, but there's... People are visited by ghosts in the Bible. I mean, Becca, there are, are demons in the Bible. Are you confused in the Bible with the Christmas Carol? No. No. You sure? Yes. Right there. No, no, I'm not. It was only because he gets visited by three ghosts and I got confused <laughs> with the three wise men. But I did, I'll tell you what I did watch. Um, have you seen Zeitgeist? Didn't you show me Zeitgeist? No, I've probably talked to you about it, but you never watched it. I think I have. Is it the... Where at the very beginning, it tells you about all the similarities throughout yes. all the faiths. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, like it's yeah. always the sun and yeah, it's always the sun. Meaning it rises it, on the third day. Dies on the twenty fifth. Yeah. Um. Oh, sorry. Born on the twenty fifth. Um. Yeah. Dies, rises. Three dies, days rises later. three days later. Yeah, and the three three kings and all this, mm. and it's just so obvious that all like there's about three hundred prior to Christ. There was three hundred deities. They were born on the 25th to a virgin, um, died around Easter time for three days, then rose again. Mm. And he explains it all why. And people may say, no, not, no, no, absolutely not. And the Catholic Church also, they don't say all the others were fakes. <laughs> ours, oh, is real. ours is real. We're the ones if you've heard this story before, they were fakes. Yeah. They but made it up, but coincidentally it did happen to us. Yeah, and it's because it's like when the sun sets um, around winter time. It stays in one position at its lowest point for three days mm. and then rises again. And all these interesting points that were in it, like, uh, as I say, born on the 25th of a virgin. The three kings is Orion's belt because mm-hmm. on the 25th, they point towards the North Star. Okay. So they followed the star. All these interesting things, which is just you know, um, really fascinating. But anyway, I'm a Catholic. And that's the mystery of faith because you can know things like that and still say, yeah, but I'm still a Catholic. She was in London. The winter of 1847 to 1848. She was a widow, about 29 years old, very worldly, very rich, and very good looking. But you said this was a priest. It is a priest, but a priest can say she's a good looking girl. Among those who frequented her parlour was noted a young lord whose behaviour was anything but edifying. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Go on, I'm getting into this. One night, for it was already past midnight, she was reading in her bed, I don't know what novel, waiting for sleep to come. It struck one hour by her clock. She blew out her taper. She was about to fall asleep when, to her great astonishment, she noticed that a wan, strange glimmer of light spread gradually into her room and increased from one moment to the other. Stupefied, she put her eyes wide open, not knowing what this could mean. She got frightened when she saw the door slowly open and the young lord, the accomplice in her disorders, enter her room. Before she could have said a single word to him, he was near her, seized her left arm at the wrist, and said to her in English, in a striding voice, There is a hell! The pain she felt in her arm was so great that she lost her senses. When she came to again, half an hour later, she noticed on her wrist a burn so deep that the bone was laid bare and the flesh nearly consumed. This burn was the size of a man's hand. Moreover, she remarked that the carpet from the door of the parlour to the bed and from the bed to this same door bore the imprint of a man's steps. Mm. 
The next day, the unhappy lady learned, with a terror that is easy to imagine, that on that very night, close upon one o'clock in the morning, her lord had been found dead drunk under the table, that his servants had carried him to his room and that he had died in their arms. The word dead drunk was is, is a bad yeah. choice of words. Yeah, found it? dead <laughs> drunk. Yeah, he should have been extremely drunk under the table. But then he died in their arms. This lady, in order to keep out of sight the traces of her sinister burn, wears on her left wrist a broad gold band, which she does not take off day or night. All these details come from her nearest relative, a serious Christian. In the family itself, they are never spoken of. This account comes from the book Hungry Souls. It's particularly unnerving because this damned soul was visiting the wealthy widow from his new abode in hell. But notice the element of hope hidden in, in here. God, in his mercy, permitted a deceased man to visit a woman who was complicit in his sin. The damned soul had made his choice, he had chosen hell, but the widow still had the opportunity to choose eternal life over eternal death. She could amend her life and turn back to God. There are always lessons contained in true ghost stories. God doesn't permit apparitions for mere entertainment. Apparitions. Interesting. So, but the, the whole, their whole angle there is that, oh, you can have ghosts as long as God permits it. Yes. So you can be haunted if it's only, God's will. Yes, you can only have ghosts if it's God's will. 